Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The beauty of college basketball is just when you think you have it figured out, everything gets flipped upside down. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. I am Mike Randall, as always, joined by my illustrious partner, Gus Kearns. Gus, we got a few things to talk about because teams are zigging when we thought they would zag. And this is what always happens in between the holidays for these big teams. We, we, I mean, we talked about it last podcast, and we, we talked about it last year a little bit. You just never know. And, by the way, with 350-plus characters in this particular drama, in this particular story, there's a, there's a couple of things that are bound to go awry. And guess what? They just started to. Absolutely. We're going to get to all the great stuff in a minute. The Screen the Screener podcast, folks, comes at you at least twice, sometimes three times a week. Gus and I are two college basketball junkies. We love the sport of college basketball. We talk about it 24-7. We do team previews. We interview beat writers. We interview coaches. All this stuff. If you're interested, please go to the website randallrant.com. We have our rankings there, our top 25 rankings. We have all of our podcasts. We have a weekly column that I write called The Short Corner. Got some fun stuff in there. Dunks of the Week, Gus. I already have two strong nominations for Dunks of the Week. It seemed like last night might have given you the the proper material for that particular part of your Short Corner. I I build it as the week goes on. I I think I have plenty already. You can follow us on Twitter at SDS Podcast, myself at Randall Rant, Gus at C Kearns 12. And if you like what you hear, please, please, please go to iTunes. We're on iTunes, Stitcher all over the place, tune in radio, but go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating and a review. We would be honored. Gus will read it out here. People who give us the reviews, we, we read it out and really helps our rankings. We've been growing by the minute. Things are going really, really well. So there, operational stuff, Gus, out of the way. Folks, very exciting here. We're going to start the podcast off with a little fun. If you remember us from last year, we did a Stump Gus episode. I'm a big game show guy. Uh, Gus and his lovely wife love The Price is Right. I love a million game shows. So we came up with something last year to the theme of $100,000 Pyramid. Folks, it's Stump Gus. All right, for those that don't know this, there are six clues that I'm going to give Gus. There is a one-minute countdown clock. So, Gus, you have six clues here that I'm going to give you. And they are gettable. These are all players or teams that have been very much a part of the screen the screener vernacular over the first uh, month or so of the season here. So we're not diving deep, all right? Although I could with you, but it was 60 second clock, it's very tough. I think it's fair. I think you like it. I kind of went in difficulty order, okay? So we'll okay. see how it goes here. And right. uh, we'll have some fun. And I think you you won a couple last year. We I beat you a couple, but it's fair. I do know the clues ahead of time, but I, I did it in a very fair manner, folks. So I'm going to read the clues. Play along at home. Are you ready to stump Gus? <laughs> totally ready. Totally nervous. All right. Here we go. Let's go. Let's do it. Here we go. Junior. Forward. Big 10. Double-double machine. Jordan Murphy. Very good. People always talk about Kansas, but I believe I'm the best player in the Big 12. I was Conference Defensive Player of the Year last year and lead the nations in steals this year. Coach Huggins. John Carter. Very good. Freshman, guard, Stephen Curry-like, leading country in points per game. Trey Young. Very good. Team, under the radar, positionless basketball. Mountain West, tough game at Texas Tech. Oh, my love affair, Nevada. Redshirt freshman, West Coast Conference, Kennel Club, 
Back. Norvell Jr.? Very good. Last one. Unselfish. First time as point guard. Big East. Four. Can he's There it is. He's got it. Very good, Gus. You had seven seconds to spare. That wasn't even a challenge. Very good. Yes, yes. Hopefully you played along with us. Junior forward, Big Ten, double-double machine. I didn't have to get the golden goal for Jordan Murphy. Uh, yes, what Javon Carter would say. I think he what would Javon say that. Javon Carter would say. So I, 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 I wanted to say what Javon no, Carter would say. I got too excited. I got too a lot excited. of latitude here on the on the stump cast. Coach Huggins is the man was the last clue I didn't have to get to. Lon lets him shoot it. I didn't have to get to that. Freshman guard Stephen Curry likes Sooner Schooner. Didn't have to get to that. Trey Young. Team under the radar. Mountain West coached by Eric Musselman, Nevada. You got that. You even threw in the little my my love affair. So time not an issue for you, Gus. You're wasting seconds. Last one. Uh, second last one. Redshirt freshman. You got it right away. Very good. Back-to-back 20-point games. I was going to say loved by Mark Few, Zach Norville Jr. Good. And four horsemen. I didn't have to say that. Four horsemen. New Jersey represent Kadeen Carrington. Very good job, Gus. Excellent. We're off to a flying start. You crush it. I got to get harder on you very very good uh yeah let, let's go let's go a little bit more unique i uh oh, man that i again i feel bad that i messed up the um the quote one oh, like yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you had seven seconds left i could have re-asked you to say it and you could have gotten it you had plenty of time very excited to play uh listeners thank you for uh playing along with us at home uh we hope that you enjoyed the stump Gus segment. All right, Gus, so now we'll turn to the games, and let's start with a big one here. No pun intended, Gus, with my Zag comment, because the first game we're going to go to is Villanova 88, Gonzaga 72. Mm-hmm. My first takeaway here, great win for Villanova, tremendous win for Villanova. We have a lot to talk to them about, but can we all settle down with Gonzaga? There's nothing wrong with Gonzaga. They flew cross-country. They played in Madison Square Garden, which is almost a home game for Villanova, Gus, I would say, and they played very well, but Villanova played better. So Gonzaga, fine. But Villanova, great, great win. So here are the two takeaways from this right away. Number one, I agree with your settle down on Gonzaga. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's fine. But look, we need to start paying attention to Villanova as one of the best teams in the country. We need to start paying attention to Villanova as one of the best programs in the country the past five years. And we need to start paying attention to Villanova as a program that can win the whole thing this year, right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like we we need to pay attention to all of those things. Like all of those things are truths as far as Villanova being a legit championship contender this year. One of the best programs in the country the past five years. They are just stout. I can't believe how many athletes that they have on the floor. So, Mike, just getting into this game a little bit, we'll break it down for a couple minutes for the listeners here. What were some of the things that you saw that really defined this game and maybe made it sway towards the Wildcats way? Well, one of them hurts me, and it hurts me to admit this, Gus, but I am objective. I would like to know, as we said in our podcast last year, Mike Randall, Gus Kearns, we keep it 100. If you're new to the podcast, no one has been a bigger fan of Miles Bridges than me. No one has. I thought he should have been picked first last year. I still love the guy. Gus, he's the second best M. Bridges right now in college basketball, that's for sure, because what I saw with, with, with McCall Bridges – I haven't seen a longer player in my life. Like I feel I literally was standing in front of my television, like waving my arms. He is deflecting balls. Rick Patino must be so mad watching him. Do you know how many deflections he would have got on Louisville? He's coaching a Rick Patino team like a Louisville or something. He dominated this game 28 points, five of nine from three point range. He really arrived on the map. He got six rebounds. Gus, he also can play spectacular defense without fouling. Without fouling, which is so important because right now Villanova is not as deep as some of the other teams. Other thing, and then then throwing your thoughts here, I knew Villanova was going to be in good shape. It was about three minutes in 
Amari Spellman, freshman big, made a steal at half court off the press. Impressive for a fairly big guy. He dribbles. He stops. They thought he walked. He didn't. He kept his pivot foot, and he hit a jumper, okay? Gus, next possession, ball reversal. Amari Spellman hits a three. Okay, so that's all you needed to know. I said goodnight, Irene. This this game's over. Amari Spellman feels comfortable. Bridges covers the entire floor with just his arms out to his side. Jalen Brunson super solid. Phil Booth is a little engine. He's the spark plug. And we didn't Pascal didn't have a good game, and I think he's very good. So right away, those are my takeaways from Villanova. Nice job. Great job. Great win. Nothing to say. Yeah, a really impressive Villanova. I think the sequence that kind of defined this game was, I mean, you mentioned Bridges' wingspan, his length is when he was in the post defending Tilly. And, you know, Tilly's coming off of this game where he just kind of went bananas in the second half against Creighton and was shooting threes and dunking on people. And so Bridges takes Tilly in the post, blocks the shot, but then immediately after he blocks Tilly's shot, he sprints full speed on the break. He doesn't get the ball, but the effort that he put out after the defensive effort on Tilly was that jumped off the screen to me. I mean, we can talk about like you know his, his pretty sick dunk. We can talk about his efficiency from three, but that sequence of the block on Tilly, which was clean, and then just the effort down the offensive end, even when he wasn't assured to get the ball. Super impressed with Bridges. Uh, I can't say enough about him. I think now after this game, everybody's going to be. He's in the conversation with. Murphy and May and, yeah. and some of these other guys that kind of pop off the screen or having, you know, kind of blow up years. I think you have to include him in that category. And I don't know what they serve for breakfast at, you know, on campus at Villanova, but whatever it is, it helps you make a jump shot. No, they have a fire. Because they have a fire. it just oh. seems like everybody on Villanova can make a jump shot and is really efficient with it. And, you know, your point about it being like a quasi home game for uh, Villanova is absolutely true because, you know, the anytime a Big East team comes in and plays a game like that in that arena, they're going to pack the house, whether it be Syracuse, whether it be, uh, you know, I know Syracuse, old school Big East, uh, old school Big East for UConn as well. But whenever any of those traditional teams come in, like the, that fan base just packs the house and it gets orange or in Villanova's case, it gets blue. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And you know what, Gonzaga, everything's okay. You know who they just lost to? They just lost to Florida in a double overtime game, who is currently ranked fifth, even though they're currently in some sort of mini free fall. I'm free, free falling. I love that you broke in a song there. It's beautiful. In honor, in honor. Uh, R.I.P. Tom Petty. Uh, absolute uh, musical giant. I think that Gonzaga, these two losses, like, I don't think it's going to do anything to, like, Zero. quell their resume come March. So I- I'm good with them, too. I'm good with them where they at. Gus, where they are at as well. Gus, Nova shot 51% from the field, which is very impressive against Gonzaga. Very good defensive team. Uh, three-point percentage, Gus, they were 10 to 21. They shot 47%. If Villanova shoots 47% from three-point range, you're going to have a very difficult time beating them. A couple great moves here. Jay Wright put Bridges on Jonathan Williams. I think that frustrated him with his length, even though Williams is much bigger. Williams had foul trouble. He only played 18 minutes, five points. Uh, he had zero rebounds. Jonathan Williams, Gus, did not grab a rebound in this game. That shows you the job they did on him. I don't think that will ever happen again. Uh, Norville had 22. Perkins had 16. And Spellman is really starting to get hot. I, and, and it's important because he was sort of the missing link. They said he's the best scoring post player that Jay Wright's ever had. Gus, he had three points against Tennessee in that win. He had zero points against Northern Iowa. 
then down in Atlantis. But since then, 14, 16, and 10. The rebound, 7, 11, and 10. So things are moving right for Villanova, and I agree with you. Let's relax with Gonzaga. You know, 7 and 2. Not too bad. You know what? Seton Hall and Xavier are going to play really well to beat Villanova in the Big East moving forward. Really impressed with them. Mike, where do you where do you think we need to go next? Do you think we should visit out west a tiny bit? Yeah, we should. This was a big win, Gus. This was a really, really big win. This game, Arizona back against the wall, and Sean, Sean Miller getting a lot of criticism, but they came up with a huge win against Texas A&M. It wasn't at home for Arizona, but it was home-esque, right? Wasn't it, Gus? I think if you're out west and you're Arizona, I think that... The Valley of the Sun. I right, think still in the I think they're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna show well there. So a couple of things here on my end. Uh, number one, you kind of loved the matchup. There was just gonna be like traditional bigs in this, I guess. DeAndre Ayton, uh, Bob yeah. Williams, and Aiton's then so uh, good, man. Ayton is so oh. good. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he's top five pick. He is good. Oh, without question. I I, I think there could, there can be an argument made that he might even be the top pick. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Uh, and then let's not leave Tyler Davis out of that uh, conversation as well. Not like top five pick conversation, but like as like another big that was involved in this matchup type conversation. Arizona is interesting because they won this game with pretty much nothing from Alonzo Trier on the wing. And I think a lot of that was due to DJ Hogue. Seven, seven points, three assists. Yeah, I think Hogue is playing a little bit out of his head. He's doing so many things well for this Texas A&M team. Again, we said he's running like a little point forward. For them, uh, he's taking the defensive assignment on the t- other team's best wing, and obviously he did a great job here. You know what? I think they're going to end up leaning on Aiton a little bit more than they're going to be ending leaning up on Trier as far moving forward. Maybe Arizona can just like crumple up a piece of paper, right? You know, like, and then like put the Bahamas to the side and move forward from it. You'd love to see them do that. I'm not sold on them yet. As far as they got it like turned around and figured it out, but this win definitely helps them point them in the right direction. Yeah, listen, folks, it, and I go through this with fantasy football, and Gus does it with his picks, his college baseball picks as well. People will regress to the mean. You can have positive regression or negative regression. Everybody thinks, Gus, that regression is you're really, really good or you're starting off really hot and then you go backwards. It's not true. Technically, in mathematics, you can regress upwards. Regression is not necessarily bad. It means you're returning to the mean. Arizona is going to have positive regression this year. Okay, they've been so bad, but they Sean Miller's a really good coach. I don't care what people say. I don't care what they say in Arizona. I want to Reddick us. They're bashing him left and right. He's a very good coach. Alonzo Trier is a very good basketball player. DeAndre Ayton is going to be a top five draft pick. Ristich is okay. Jackson Cartwright is a college basketball player. I feel like he's, we really talk about professional players. Cause he, right, Jack, right. He's, Parker, he's a very he's a, good right, college, college basketball, basketball player. player. Yeah. Right. And they, you know, once they get Alkins back, that pushes other players like Ristich to the bench. Smith has been very good coming off the bench. He was three, three from three point range for him here. ACOT's going to get a little more acclimated. He's been a little slow to come around. Arizona's going to be fine. Texas A&M, first loss of the year, but I agree with you. They're going to be very, very good. Robert Williams didn't have a great game here, but certainly he's a super talented player. Davis had 21 points. Wilson had 14. He was two or three from three-point range, and they actually held Hogue down. And Miller talked in the press conference, Gus. He said he felt it was their best defensive effort of the entire season. And I think this goes back to a couple of things. Number one, Texas A&M is going to be really good. I, I don't think there's any denying that. I think, you know, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Wilson. If Wilson can hit those free throws, then 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 you know they're they're in business at the end of the game. Also, you mentioned Smith, right from Arizona. He's playing a little bit out of his head. The guy from US, uh, UNC Asheville. Um, he's giving them quality minutes. He's giving them big time points. 
he he he. I don't think they really expected this from him. I think they expected this more from uh, uh, ACOT or maybe from another area. So the fact that he's kind of filling some of the void that's left by uh, Raleigh Hawkins not being in the lineup is really impressive and a great coup for Arizona. The fact that they brought this guy in and then now can rely on him at least as opposed to uh, searching for those points somewhere. Texas A&M, they're still going to be in the running for SEC. Yeah, and don't forget, and don't forget, guys, J.J. Caldwell suspended first four regular season games this year for the arrest right. and suspension attack. So he's getting acclimated. Let me ask you this. You just brought up a great point. Give me an order. End of season right now. you got to make an order. Texas A&M, Florida, Kentucky, regular season SEC, where they finish. I would go Kentucky, Texas A&M, Florida. That's fascinating. That is, you, you, so you believe in Cal. He's, he's flying under the radar, isn't he? Isn't he just totally. flying? No one's talking about him. <laughs> yep. Them and UNC. Nobody's talking about either one yeah, of them. And guess yeah. what? Oh, Both of them are going to be top 10 teams all year. Oh, especially with Notre Dame taking a little stumble. We'll get to that one also. <laughs> what the heck was that? Oh, my goodness. Ball State. Interesting. I do find, Gus, I will say commonality really quick between that and Florida don't you find, and I want to track this, they had a long break, right? Florida had eight days yeah. off. Notre Dame, their last game was in Atlantis, right? They beat Wichita. They came out rusty. And I wonder yeah. if the long layoff does hurt some of these teams. It's interesting to, to track it because they, they – two really good teams that are going to be there at the end of the year, no doubt, folks. But they stumbled. They stumbled. It's really, really, really interesting. Always happens this time of the year. You know, the mid-major that or, – or, or the low-major that's coming in like this. This is their march. They know that they're not going to have an opportunity to make March. So, like, you know what they have? They have the opportunity to beat that ranked team. And it happens every year, and we love it every year. Do you want to go down Do you want to go with screen, conflicting styles? Back screen, down screen. <laughs> conflicting styles. <laughs> yes. UVA and West Virginia. And, look, I think when we were talking about this, I think we kind of nailed what was going to happen here. And this game definitely stick to, stuck to the script that we nailed. What, number one, first question was, what tempo was it going to be played at? Number two, if it was played at a tempo that was West Virginia friendly, would UVA have enough offense to match that pace? And then if we said, look, if they just meet in the middle, like you were talking about, like, you know, regression, if they, like, both teams, like, just regress and, and, and the pace fell in the middle, would UVA even have enough offense there? And guess what? No, they didn't. So UVA falls to West Virginia in a matchup of conflicting styles is pretty interesting. And UVA just didn't have enough offense to match West Virginia's offense in this. And West Virginia kind of drove him crazy. Jack Salt had zero points, Gus. I just want to start with that before. <laughs> zero points, two rebounds. Uh, yes, and I watched some of this game. Every time, Gus, it really was like Clubber Lang versus Rocky. Like every time West Virginia make their run and try to pull away, down screen, back, slow it down, slow it down. We'll get an open look. Three seconds left in the shot clock. Really well done. I don't think Virginia has a lot of talent, Gus, this year. So again, I think Tony Bennett's doing an outstanding job. Kyle oh, Guy, yeah. Kyle Guy put a show on. There was a sequence there, Gus, where Javon Carter and Kyle Guy went back and forth with three pointers. I believe it was in the second half. I think it was Guy for three, Guy for three. Carter for three, and then Guy let another one fly, which I really wanted to see go down, but I think it went in and out. Kyle Guy, 6 of 14 from three-point range. No man bun, you talked about it, but he can stroke it. 18 points. Devin Hall had 19 points, 14 and 19 from the free throw line. Only 39% from three, but West Virginia did cause him a lot of problems. Javon Carter, Gus, he's a different player this year. He is much more aggressive offensively, and the first thing that popped in my mind when I was watching this, remember the way that game ended against Gonzaga in the tournament? 
Yep. That will not happen this year with Javon Carter. Javon Carter nope. will get a good shot. Now, he may not make it. I don't know if he's going to make it, but that was right. – they didn't know what was going on and the whole thing. No, no, no. No, he's a different player. He's he's driving hard baseline, pulling up, really outstanding defense. He's leading the nation in steals. Fantastic. Also I- impressive here, Gus, and this is important because he said Mod's not back yet, uh, was Lamont West, sophomore. Had oh, his, yeah. Had his uh, – I believe his career high, 22 points, four rebounds, and was 4-9 from three-point range. So – Great game. Great game, great style game, and West Virginia just had a little bit uh, too much at home. And I think that that, that was going to be what happened here. I, you know UVA is going to sneak one of these games in the ACC, right? You know UVA is going to sneak a game against Duke or against Notre Dame or against UNC. You know it's going to happen. Like, lock it up right now. You know in February when they have one of those games at home and uh, UNC or, or Duke or Notre Dame or, you know, whoever might, or Miami, let's throw them in that conversation as well, uh, or have like a five-game winning streak. You know UVA is going to nail one of these games, and they're going to win one of these games like 61-57. That's what's going to happen. I mean, they almost pulled it off here, but again, Carter is playing out of his head. I think if you don't include Carter in your player of the year conversation in conference, and then also on maybe some sort of All-American team too, I I don't know what kind of conversation you're having. You're like maybe talking to the wall. I'm not entirely sure. But I think really impressive Carter. And, you know, we we championed Wes and said like, uh, I don't Twitter and said like, hey, this, this guy's doing great work. Coach Huggins always has those bigs that are hang around for a couple of years and kind of get banged around at practice, and then, boom, when they're juniors and seniors, ball out. And maybe he's just a year ahead of schedule uh, as far as West goes. Um, so you love to see West Virginia play anytime just because of the, the, the panic and the havoc and the anxiousness they create on the, on the offensive end for the opposing team. Like, just really impressed with them. Gus, uh, Gus I want to go off script for a second here. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Give yeah, me a yeah. second. You, you're going to know where I'm going in a minute. Gus, in 1988, Mike Dukakis ran for president with Lloyd Benson. Now, All right. This is already fantastic. You have known, but you'll start laughing when you do. Now, Mike Dukakis got smoked okay, by George Bush. Now, George Bush's vice president candidate there was Dan Quayle. And the only thing I remember that came out of all those debates, Gus, was the Lloyd Benson-Dan Quayle debate where Dan Quayle starts talking about uh, John F. Kennedy calls him Jack Ken- uh, John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy Jr. Okay, says something about him. So Benson, being a Democrat, takes offense. And he comes up with one of the greatest lines that I've seen in a debate ever. He goes, Senator, I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was my friend. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Brings the house down. Okay, people start clapping. Quail says it's uncalled for. Gus, if Devontae Graham was standing in front of me right now, I'd say, Mr. Graham, I know Frank Mason. I picked Frank Mason for first team All-American. Mr. Graham, you're no Frank Mason. Gus, three points tonight at home in a 74-65 loss to Washington. Mr. Graham, one of eight from the field, one of five from three. Folks, if you've listened to this podcast or you haven't, listen up. 35 points, 35 points. Everyone, all these writers, Gus, talking about how he's Frank Mason. Folks, settle down. Graham is what he is. He's a streaky player. He's a streaky player. Three points, first team All-American, Washington at home. I don't think so, Gus. No thanks. <laughs> and look, and look, we <laughs> that's tremendous comparison. Senator. 
We may we have we might have to go back to it. That was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> Three points, because I think I could have scored. Mahalik takes six steps. He's gonna have more. By the way, Legerald Vic at twenty eight in this game, the one that we both like. <laughs> right, we both like Vic. We both really like Vic. We think he's gonna be an NBA player. Mitch um, Lightfoot had more than he did. Mitch Lightfoot had four. Listen, the the other part about this is that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, this this isn't Washington from the past couple of years, where they have a couple talented players that you want to put your eyes on because you know they're going to get drafted and somewhere in the first round of the NBA draft, and then they're going to lose by 15. This Washington team does a couple of things that I have not seen a Washington team do in a couple of years. That was a good tweet. You put it out. So it was very good. Yeah. They, they, they win 50-50 balls. They defend. They rebound. They share the ball. And the biggest thing was they huddle on dead ball timeouts on the court independently. Hopkins. I never saw that from a Washington team in years past. So, Coach Hopkins, great job. Keep doing your thing. I hope this is the first of many signature wins for that program to get back on the right track and just not be, I don't know, the W League instead of the G League where you're going to bring in an NBA player and let him play for a year and then send them off to the draft. That's what I hope. Yeah, Gus, uh, you know, and kudos to Hopkins. You, you know, you know my philosophy, you, you've known me for you, my best friend, you've known me for 43 years of my life. Sometimes you got to sack up. Okay, and sometimes you just got to go for it. And Hopkins was sitting there, man, and he was sitting there behind Beheim, and they promised him the job. And remember, it was written in his contract, and Beheim's leaving. You know what? Beheim doesn't want to leave. And an article came out this week, man, saying that Beheim's going to coach well into his 70s. Good for Hopkins. Good for his family. They back him. They sacked up. They went all the way cross country, and now he's causing chaos in the in the in the Pac-12. He'll get an extension real soon, by the way. Great job by him. Big win at Kansas tonight. Sorry, that was off script, Gus. I apologize. No, totally. Uh, I, I think it were that tells the listeners like, you know, we're we're recording live during like the late night basketball games and trying to pay attention to that and give you guys a great podcast. We're trying to do both, people. I love that we're we're we're, we're I don't know what are we multitasking here? I, I think that's what we're doing. We are, and, and we're going we're going to. I, I may break up with Michigan, Gus. I mean, the Ohio State loss. <laughs> so, so already, Gus. I'm already off. It's it's, it's December six. I'm off Michigan. No, I do like Michigan, folks. They do, and I'm still hanging on to that Purdue one. I think it's going to be a close battle, but I, I'm off the Michigan thing. Gus, they are on fire. They're 7 of 16 from three-point range at Ohio State. I turned the game off. I have to run to Whole Foods for my wife. Gus, they made one of 12 three-pointers in the second half. So isn't it isn't it perfect? As much as I rip on Purdue, and the three-pointer buries Michigan on the road. Oh, what a bad loss that is. That was uh, a terrible but, loss. But, Gus, just like when you break up with a girl, you have to find a new one. You break, you know, a girl's out there. You break up with your boyfriend, find a new one. I have a new love, Gus, and it's the TCU Horn Frogs. There you go. <laughs> Owners of the longest winning streak in the nation. Gus. That team is out of control. Can I, can, can I just jump in really fast? Yeah, with this? fire away. Yeah, yeah. Kendrick Williams is awesome. Welcome back. He was a little under the radar for a while, wasn't he? Not anymore. <laughs> oh, no, he almost had a double-double last year. And Oh, no, uh, I mean this year with but, the scoring. With the scoring this year. So, he's, he's, you know, Brodzianski has got, yeah, you know, Desmond Bain shooting 112% from the field. Right. But it's, yeah. <laughs> Number one, they had to play, like, this SMU team that does like this positionist basketball team and, and coach Jackovic does an unbelievable job putting his players in successful positions, even when they may be playing out of position on the floor, which is the beauty of a great coach. But TCU, I tell you what, number one, tough as nails. Number two, great ball handlers. We got Bain, they got, they got Fisher. Both those guys can take great care of the ball. Either one of them is going to get shook 
on the offensive end or the defensive end. A true Silicon Brozianski, who can put up big numbers down low, and they even won this game without big numbers from him. Again, Kendrick Williams, one of my favorite uh, players in college basketball this particular year, is just putting up giant numbers. He's going to average a double-double this year. This TCU team is for real. And I think we can partner this and bracket this very kindly and nicely and smoothly with this loss that Kansas has just taken to Washington. I don't know. TCU on that list of uh, teams that might knock off uh, Kansas in the Big 12 this year? What oh, do you they're think? Co- they're coming. Yeah, they're coming. I'm not ready to say Kansas is going to lose because, you know, Kansas needs needs to get Billy Preston back. And they got uh, Silvio D'Souza coming back, it looks like, in January. It looks like he'll be cleared to, to be back. And, and they got Cunliffe coming back, too, right? He's eligible the second semester, transfer from Arizona State, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, wing player uh, who can do a dumber different things, uh, very similar to Svi, look right now, um, but maybe a smidgen tougher on the defensive end. No, no offense, Svi. And I think he's going to fill a role that maybe some of the walk-ons and maybe Lightfoot are filling right now. So I think once Bill Self's, uh, you know, once his roster becomes complete, this team could be really nasty. Um, and I think that holes in that roster showed kind of like showed out against this loss in Washington. Yeah, for sure. And you, you said it about Kendrick Williams, Gus. He started slow this year. He was tremendous last year. Right now he's averaging 14 points, 10 rebounds, and four assists. Don't forget about the assists. Six, seven, 210-pound senior. Started with a nice double-double against uh, Louisiana Monroe. Then he had five points and three rebounds against Tennessee Tech. Then seven points, nine rebounds against South Dakota. And here we go. 23, 17, 17 and 12, 11 and 10, 12 and 10, and 27 and 9 to, uh, against SMU. That's a good SMU team. You know they're well coached by Jankovic. They had a great win against USC. A little payback for me and Gus got killed in that, that pool last year with that loss. A little yeah. payback there. Uh, did you see the Spider-Man picture I sent out about, about when, uh, when, when Ben and Melagu sees, uh, semi, semi Ojala? <laughs> yeah. Cause I felt in the USC team, he played very much the same way. They're a strong start in five, Gus. They had five guys in this game in double figures, but they just couldn't shake Milton, of course, real solid 18 and nine, but they couldn't get back. TCU is good. They did not get a big game from their leading score, Vladimir Brozianski, only seven points. I- I- I'm with you, Gus. I think they're, they're an issue. Yeah. Also, I think we can, from this game, just very quickly, and then we'll move on. I, I think SMU is going to be good. I, I really love what Jimmy Witt's doing, kind of helping Milton run the point there. Uh, he's filling up the stat sheet like uh, like you know, a mini lotto ticket. Gus, he destroyed USC in the middle of that zone. He sat yeah. at that foul line. He was like the point forward there. He destroyed USC back in that second half. Yeah, and it goes back to you know what we were talking about, Coach Jenkins. Like he he finds these positions for his players, and then just puts them in that position and lets the opposing coach adjust. Like really impressive. I think by on TCU. I'm with you. I love that you have another uh, heartthrob here, and I'm glad that the Horn Frogs are on your heartthrob I'm list. Not, I guess Eric. I'm not ready to settle down. You know, the Cincinnati we've broken up before, but they're always there. Michigan, I like. I, I like Michigan. I, again, no issue. But TCU is coming strong, folks. They are an issue. They're going to be in this top 25 all year. Don't think they're backing out. They're not. No, I, I totally agree with that. Hey, how about we go to one of my kind of love affairs? I've been on this team the whole entire year, and then my heart was broken after this game. If everybody remembers, loyal listeners out there, hopefully you do, I ranked Nevada in my top 25 preseason, and it took everybody until now to catch up to that. Nevada's legit team. They have players all over the court, and this game against Texas Tech was one of those signature games that ah, just kind of slipped through their fingers in overtime. They had opportunities here. Uh, Texas Tech always plays tough. 
They played Seton Hall tough. Every time you've seen Texas Tech play a ranked opponent, they are, they are no slouch, and they bring their A game. Nevada just seemed like there were a lot of Martin turnovers in crucial points of this game. Those two guys, Caleb and Cody, have played so well for this team, and I've been kind of the buoys on either side for them. But it just seemed like they had a little bit they had a little bit of a problem with turnovers in crucial situations in this game, and it's hurt me. It broke my heart a little bit to see Nevada fall to Texas Tech in overtime. But what a matchup. Both of these teams deserve to be in the tournament, and both these teams can win a couple games in the tournament moving forward. I feel the same way, Gus, in this game at Nevada as they did about Gonzaga. Nevada's really good. You called it. You were on the whole time. They're really good. They're going to be a problem. This is an overtime loss on the road against a really good Texas Tech team that had only lost one game, which was in um, Madison Square Garden there to uh, Rhode Island, to Seton Hall. The only loss was to Seton Hall in Madison Square Garden. This is a very, very tough place to play. So no shame here. The fact they even got them to overtime. Somebody was saying they're going to drop out of the top 25. No way they should drop out of the top 25 with this loss. Martin brothers were fantastic. They had 50 points combined, Gus. 28 for Caleb Martin, 22 for Cody Martin. Combined, uh, Caleb was 6 of 12 from three-point range. Cody was 6 of 7 from the free throw line. Played very well. Jordan Caroline, only six points, but 12 big rebounds in this game. This was mm-hmm. a fantastic job for Nevada. Like we say all the time, it's not great to lose, but this is about as good as losses as you're going to find because it's a road game against a really good Texas Tech opponent. Senior Keenan Evans just went off. He went bat- it went nuts, 32 points, only one of six from three-point line, but he attacks the basket, and he's 13 and 19 from there, so from the free throw line. So I'm with you, man. No shame. No criticism, Nevada here. Stop it, please. And then moving forward, I mean, the Nevada TCU game that's coming this weekend. Oh man, how huge is that? Gonna, how huge is that going to be? Can't wait. That game's going to be in LA. It's it's a neutral court game. Which Gus, really quick to talk about this, uh, NCA came out of course with the new ratings, where they yeah. you know how they do the four quadrants, and now they're going to do it so that they're actually going to give more weight to teams that win on a neutral court or win mm-hmm. on a, a true road game. So they're hoping, I think, which is going to happen, that teams will be more willing to play these teams on on the road. You know, like, uh, I think, was it, didn't UNC go to Northern Iowa last year, the year before, and lost there? Yeah. You know, yeah. to do those things, because they will get credit for that win. That will not hurt them. It used to be, what's the benefit of me playing there? Now there is a benefit. So if you win a home game, 1-30, to 30, Gus, it's the equivalent if you win a road game, 1-75. to 75. In terms of the um, the RPI, wherever they're ranked, so right. you could play the seventy fourth team on the road and beat them, and that's the same as being like a twenty ninth team at home. Very interesting. Yeah, another uh, change that they put out as well is they're going to use some of the advanced metrics to help with some of their uh, grading and seeding, and they're going to use a combined of some of the pop- popular metri- metrics, including Ken Palm, awesome, um, to go ahead and give them a little further insight on where these teams should fall on the seed line. So I think two smart things that they're doing here moving forward, uh, and they're not just settling for the way that we did it old school. I like that they're being a little bit prog- progressive, even though it took them you know, a-, a couple of years to kind of catch up with the rest of us. I'm glad they're finally implementing those things to help them make better decisions moving forward, whether it be who gets in, who gets out, and seed lines as well. I uh, want to talk about a very under-the-radar game that occurred that some people, if you're in the basketball you listen to this podcast, you probably are aware of it, folks. But tonight, Middle Tennessee State went to Vanderbilt. Now, that's a battle of Tennessee. That's a pretty intense rivalry. They want to, Middle Tennessee State wants to establish themselves. Vanderbilt feels like they have much more of a, you know, they're, they're a bigger conference. They're in the SEC. 
They feel like they're the big brother here to Middle Tennessee State. Well, let me tell you, Middle Tennessee State went in tonight to Vanderbilt and won 66-63. to If you are not aware of Nick King, you need to start getting aware of it, getting aware of him. He was at Memphis for two years. He's at Alabama, had a lung infection. He transferred to Middle Tennessee State. We'll get Kermit Davis on soon to talk about this. Kermit Davis got him. He looks just like Ja'Cory Williams, Gus. He's a left-hander. He can do it all. He had 23 points tonight. He's a leading scorer for them. He had six rebounds, four assists. Oh, Giddy threw in 16 as well. And Middle Tennessee State with a big win at Vanderbilt, 66-63. Now, this Vandy team is nothing to sleep on. Uh, Coach Drew is doing a great job there. They have an NBA player in Fisher Davis. So it's not like this Vandy team is a down Vandy team. This win that Middle Tennessee State obtained here against Vandy is going to do wonders in March due to the two things that we just talked about. Due to the things that we just talked about, they're going to use some of the advanced metrics. This win is going to do wonders for their advanced metric numbers. And also for that road win, that true road win, as opposed to a neutral neutral site win. Like, I think both of those things playing perfectly for Middle Tennessee State. Really impressed with their win. At this point, you hate to say it, you don't hate to say it, but why wouldn't you expect it? This program has done this like year after year. They've won games in the tournament the past two years. Like, of course they're going to do this. Of course they're going to go into Vandy and beat Vandy. Like, what else do you expect from Middle Tennessee State? You expect exactly this. Such a good program. You know, they're building towards what's happening at Wichita State, what's building toward at Gonzaga, what's happening currently at Nevada. Like, they're building towards that. We got it figured out at this mid-major level, and we're not afraid to go play anywhere, anybody, anywhere, anytime. You know, we can include uh, UT Arlington in that conversation as well this particular year. They're in that conversation, and they're building towards that, especially with their back-to-back March wins in the tournament. And Gus, the last one we'll talk about here, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this, Florida in a free fall. Lost at home to Florida State, but that's understandable. Florida State length, Leonard Hamilton, they always defend, right? Terrence Mann went nuts, no problem. Right. But the Loyola Chicago Ramblers, Gus, <laughs> coming in to Florida in a true road game for the Missouri Valley. Good for the Missouri Valley. Winning in this game, 65-59. That is certainly not expected. Gus, I, I think a lot of this, they don't have a Bunu inside, so they're certainly struggling. But I think this goes back to live by the three, die by the three. They were only bit. two of 19 from three-point range tonight, Gus, at home. Two of 19, 10.5%. Loyola Chicago did an outstanding job. They rebounded with Florida, 29 to 32. Andre Jackson, had th- lean scorer, had 13.8 points for, averaging 13.8 points for Loyola Chicago, had 23 big points tonight. Fantastic win. Gus, what is wrong with the Gators? I think exactly what you said. They lock up. They lack a traditional quality big that can play multiple minutes and guard multiple positions. They're relying on the three-point shot at an unbelievable rate, even for Mike White. And Mike White loves jacking up the three. Guess what? You're going to go cold at some point. You're not going to hit your threes every game. That's not the way that this works in college basketball. You can't ask 19, 20, 21-year-olds to go out and shoot 40% from three every single night. It's just not going to happen. You mentioned this earlier in this particular podcast. During this time in between Thanksgiving and the holidays and Christmas and Hanukkah and the next break that they're going to have, every single one of these games, teams, coaching staffs, everybody's all willy-nilly and off schedule. Besides the Big Ten, like there hasn't been a conference that started conference play yet. Everybody has an unfamiliar opponent. And by the way, Loyola's not bad. 
they're okay. They're going to make some noise. They're they're not terrible. So kudos to them for going down and obtaining a huge road win uh, against a, a top five ranked team currently. And we have to celebrate them as well. Like that, 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 this is not a mistake that they went in to do this. Like of course, we're, everybody, ninety nine people out of a hundred would would have picked Florida. They're okay. They're not bad. They're going to make some noise. So Florida, yeah, I think everybody bought in a little bit early especially after being involved in the best game of the year thus far against Gonzaga. I was like, oh, they won that game. They're good. And they played uh, Duke decently. Uh, so you felt like, oh, Florida State, you know, they're good. They're, they're, they're going to be a top 10 team all year. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, and we and listen, these upsets can happen. The issue is going to be with Florida. Mike White will get to figure it out. He's a great offensive mind. He'll get it going. Oh, for sure. And and, and guards win, guys. So Chioza, Kulichev, Kevon, Kevon Allen, they're going to be yeah, they're going to be fine. But the issue is this is a bad loss. The great win for the Lawyer Chicago, but a horrific loss for Florida. You are home. You already lost to Florida State. If they have one of these like Notre Dame losing to Ball State, they'll recover. But these are back to back losses now. So this next game that Florida has is going to be very very big. And oh by the way, the game is going to be here in New Jersey against Cincinnati on Saturday, who's going to be pretty angry about Xavier. So Florida, Gus, is staring at three losses in a row. That's going to cause the boosters to be a little unsettled. You lose to rival Florida State, eh. You lose at home to Loyola Chicago, not good. Eh. And then you go lose to Cincinnati, who, by the way, is going to push them around a little bit, and they're going to have to keep off the boards, which is going to be, I don't know, that's a good matchup for Florida. I don't like that matchup. You're shooting, Gus, 2-19 at home. You're going to shoot well up here in Newark? I don't think so. I, I totally agree with you on that. I think that Florida-Cincinnati game is totally intriguing. And I'm with you on the push around part. I think if Florida doesn't man up and hold their ground here, I think Cincinnati might get exactly what they're hoping for, a nice bounce back win against a ranked team. That might be just what the doctor ordered for the Bearcats and one of your uh, favorite teams out there. All right, Gustin, uh, let's just wrap it up here. Why don't you give a give a little, little preview, do a little preview of the games that are coming up in the next few days and, and what's been a crazy week so far. What do you think? Listeners, there are a ton of things that we need to pay attention to here. So we'll just go day by day, and we'll give you a couple highlights of the game. So, Mike, uh, I'll read off the game. Why don't you just give me, like, a little thumbnail, like, literally one-liner on what you think about the game or what might happen. Sure. Uh, so Thursday, guys, how about Valpo? Going to number 21, Purdue. Mike, what do you got with Valpo and Purdue? Valpo, 8-0 this year, doing a great job as always. Going to play Purdue on the road. Purdue's been a little up and down. They're not covering spreads that I thought they would cover. But when they're hot, they're hot. Gus, I feel like they have a MOG game coming, a Mother of God game, and this could be it. You know who's been great for them? And I ripped on them, but I have to give them credit because we keep it 100 here. Isaac Haas has been great. He's the play- he has been, yeah. He has he's the player, Gus, that Florida doesn't have. He's the player that these three point dependent shooting teams don't have. Playing twenty two minutes, he's averaging fifteen points per game, five rebounds. Isaac Haas doing well. I like Purdue here. Okay, how about Iowa at Iowa State? Little Hilton Magic. Uh, can I just jump in on this one first, yeah, really quickly? Yeah, yeah. I-, I feel like Iowa's a mess. I feel like they, they are kind of point guardless. I feel like their roles are not very defined. And I think Iowa State has a couple of players that can make an impact. And I think, you know, Moody Magic is going to give Hilton Magic a little run for its money here as far as SMU goes. But I think Iowa State takes this game, and, and you know the atmosphere at this game is going to be bananas. You know, we talked about the Crosstown uh, shootout and how that's one of the top three rivalries in our sport. I think you can include this Iowa-Iowa State maybe in the top five, top six. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Iowa State is five and two. Iowa's in a free fall four and five. They're just young. 
Donovan Jackson leading uh, Iowa State with 17 points per game. I like I, Jackson. Yeah, he's been tremendous. And Tyler Cook, not bad, 14.6 points per game. And Gus, he may be in the short corner next week. So that may be the highlight. I don't think it will be the result of this game. How about this? How about Coach Cross's UT Arlington team going to Northern Iowa? Talk about a game with March implications in December. I mean, this is big for both of these both of these teams. Northern Iowa can use a couple more of these like signature wins going into the Valley. And UT Arlington is just building this case. I mean, they're knocking on the door for, to a top 25 ranking. This is a great, great game. I hope this game is on ESPN and one of those, on those uh, channels because I really want to watch it. Scott Cross talked about how he has a very tough schedule because no one will play them. And so he said, we went out and found a bunch of teams that were in the same situation as us and decided to sign them up. And it's a great idea. It's a great game. Kevin Hervey is the best player, folks. You are not hearing enough about 23 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, 2.4 assists. We talked about Eric Neal leading the country in assists. Northern Iowa, of course, Ben Jacobson, great coach, going to do an outstanding job there. Bennett Koch, 17 points per game. This is a fantastic basketball game. Fantastic basketball game. I, I really don't know how this is going to go. I guess you lean the home team. My heart says UT Arlington. It's going to be a great battle. Uh, I can't wait to yeah, I can't wait to like at least follow this game if I don't, if I don't get to watch it for sure. How about we hit up Friday, St. John's at number sixteen, Arizona State. The first thing I'm going to say, say right here, and we're going to find out this number and send it out to you guys on Twitter. Uh, you can take the over in this game. Both of these teams are really gifted offensively, and uh, they're a little suspect on the defensive end. So I think take the over in this game, whatever number they decide to put out there in Vegas. We have some talented guards here. You got Pons, you got Trey Holder for Arizona State. I'm looking forward to the backcourt matchup here big time. St. John's is a team that no one is talking about. They're getting also receiving votes now, Gus. They're eight and one. They just won at Grand Canyon. That's a very under the it was in Arizona. Great win. It's a great win for them. The only game they lost this year was against Mizzou, 90 to 82. They can put it up there with the best of them. You talked about Pons averaging 20.4 points per game, Lavette 14.9, Bashir Ahmed 11.2, Simons 10.8. They can score averaging 75 points per game. This is a fantastic battle. Take the over. Bobby Hurley said this is the best offensive team he's had. Trey Holder has been incredible for Arizona State. This is a fun one. It is a must-watch game. I agree with you. This is one that people aren't are talking enough about. St. John's is really sort of flying under the radar. Arizona State is 7-0. and They're undefeated. This game is going to be a battle. It's at the Staples Center. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame Classic as well. 8 o'clock Friday, Staples Center, Red Storm in Arizona State. I'll give the edge to Arizona State because they're not traveling as far, and they're going to put it up. Otherwise, it should be a great battle. Uh, I'm looking forward to the guards in this game. These guards are not just guards that jack it from three. The guards in this game will bring it into the lane and look for contact and look to drive it. So I like that type of guard, guard that's going to bring it in and, and look to, you know, get an N1 as opposed to just jacking a three from 25 feet. How about Oklahoma at number 25, USC, out on the West Coast? So we have one of the guys from Stump Gus facing off against a ranked team. How do you see this Oklahoma and USC matchup sizing up on this Friday night? Very similar to the Arizona game. This game is a USC. If you're good, if Andy Enfield can coach, and if you feel that you're a legitimate Final Four contender here like everyone had said you are, USC's got to come out and win this game. Oklahoma's been great. Trey Young's been phenomenal. He's even getting a ton of assists. But, folks, you can't let an unranked Oklahoma team 
come in and beat you to give you your third consecutive loss. You got crushed at home by Texas A&M, wasn't close. You went on the road against SMU, you showed up for a half. You have got to win this game at home. I think USC gets it right, and I'm sure Trey Young gives me something to put in the short corner there with some incredible ball handling move. Oklahoma can't win this game. They can't win it, and if 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 USC is legit, they got to find a way. This is in the Staples Center, another Hall of Fame classic game. So USC is basically a home game. I like the Trojans. I like the Trojans in this game too, but I'm not going to sell Oklahoma short and Trey Young short. I think that Oklahoma might actually surprise us for a half here or maybe a little bit further. And then, of course, last game on Friday, can't wait for this. Hashtag basketball narcolepsy. We got two ranked teams. You got 22 ranked Nevada versus 20th ranked TCU, also on the Staples Center. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me with this game? I can't wait. I might take a picture of the coffee pot and put it out on Twitter because I'm going to stay up and watch this whole entire thing. It's a fantastic game, Gus. What a battle. I'm just going to enjoy it. The battle of the purple teams. Yeah. I'm just going to enjoy it. That's what it is. uh, Heart says Nevada. Brain says TCU. Going to be close. How about my heart and my brain say Nevada in this one? So I'm going to I'm going to pull Nevada. And then you know we have we have a whole we have a whole slew of games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, A couple of the highlights include VCU is going to be at Seton Hall. We have uh, the UCLA Michigan game. There's uh, Wichita State going to Oklahoma State. You got that Florida Cincy game that you mentioned earlier. You got Old Miss going to Middle Tennessee State. So another opportunity for Middle Tennessee State to get a great win. Uh, and you have more, number 14 mini going to Arkansas, and you have Alabama hitting up Arizona. And then on Sunday, you have a pretty cool uh, Sunday game to watch. You got 16-ranked uh, Arizona State against number two Kansas. So we can see if Kansas bounces back. And then, obviously, Arizona State will be coming off their game on Friday, so a quick turnaround for them. After the St. John's game on Friday, they, they come up Sunday and play Kansas. So you got a great slate of hoops this weekend listeners out there i hope everybody enjoys all the games that we have lined up and you know i'm looking forward to interacting with some people on twitter and and helping you guys get through your weekend uh with this podcast all right folks well there you go uh, uh, always great talking college basketball with gus stump gus big win for him went over the games please check us out randall rant short corner gus is sending out fishy lines follow us on twitter college basketball season gus it's it's warmed up it we're refreshed we're replenished we're in the middle of it we're almost here at the holiday season things are good man they're good on the screen the screener podcast you know what listeners thank you thank you thank you so much for carving out some time for us during your busy week whether we help on a commute whether we help on a a, a train ride or a subway ride whether we help out on, on a run if you're trying to get out early in the morning and get your stuff done or maybe you're just raking all the leaves that are falling down and you're plugging us into your headphones so thank you listeners out there carving out time for the screen the screener podcast we hope you're making we hope we, we make your week a little bit more enjoyable so cheers out there cilantro got to lots yet <laughs>